Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Focus on the core problem your business solves and put out lots of content and enthusiasm and ideas about how to solve that problem. That's a quote by Laura Fitton. So hello, everybody. Welcome again to The Profitable Photographer. I am still Lucy Dumas, and I'm excited to interview John D'Amato. Before I get started, just to remind you, you can watch this on YouTube. You can watch this well, you can listen to it and all the audio platforms. And I would love to hear from you. I offered the opportunity to write me a letter as if it's a year from now with all the successes you dream. And if you do that and would like to, we can set up a 20-minute call just to talk about it and for me to be a witness to that dream. So uh, Lucy at lucydumas.com, or you can go to lucydumascoaching.com. Okie doke. So I am so excited to get to know and share with you John D'Amato. He is a visual storytelling expert. He photographs speakers, authors, trainers, consultants, and creates world-class image assets that position them as an authority in their space of expertise. They collaborate, John and his clients, on the strategy and execution, and he sets them up for success beyond the photo sessions by educating themselves on how to leverage their portraits, book, images, virtual and live event photos across their online presence. And he is a former television producer, 22 years behind the camera, and this influences how he creates a valuable and magical experience for those he serves. So even though I didn't read it well, I think you get the point. He's awesome. (laughs) So welcome, John. Thank you. So how are you? What's up? I am doing well. Thank you. I'm uh, fortunately today inside while it's sleeting outside. So I'm pretty happy about being here right now talking to you. Yeah, well, it's raining outside here. San Diego's actually had weather this year, so uh, quite a different thing for us. Snow wow. at a thousand feet. Wow! Yeah, That's crazy. Okay, I'd like to learn a little about your background. I'd love to know, like, how you got into doing what you're doing. Well, back in 2013, I was a television producer on a talk show in Stanford, Connecticut, and uh, at the time, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and she was on her way out. And during that time, I started to think about my life. I started to think about what I was doing and quite frankly, how resentful I was and how unhappy I was. And Mm -hmm. I realized I needed to make a change. So on the side, prior to that time, I was photographing headshots on the weekends because Mm -hmm. I kind of found it as a release, a creative release where I didn't have anyone else kind of telling me what to do. Well, you know, when you work on a show, you have 8,000 bosses, right? Okay. But when I'm photographing a subject, it's just me and the subject. Mm -hmm. So I found a lot of 
joy in that. It was challenging in different ways, and I found it really interesting. And what ended up happening is when I quit the job, I decided that I'm going to go for this headshot thing. And after trying that for a couple of months and realizing I had absolutely no idea how to build a headshot business or a photography business or a business in general, Mm -hmm. I had never even thought to do something like that. That's when I started to do some homework and figure out different ways to market myself. What other types of photography could I do? And ultimately, I kind of landed on this whole area of expert-based business owners and speakers. Because uh, up until that moment, I figured, well, if you're Tony Robbins or a president, those are the people that they pay for speaking, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you come to find out that, wow, there's an entire industry of this. There's organizations dedicated to teaching people about this. I had absolutely no idea. And um, But what I did find very interesting was that what these folks spoke about all were completely different topics and they're experts in it. And I'm actually learning something while I'm photographing them, whether Mm -hmm. it's their portraits or their trainings or their keynotes, whatever it may be. So I found it really compelling and interesting. And I thought, you know what? I think I could do something with this. Mm -hmm. So that's where I've been for the past, you know, six, seven years. Awesome. Early in my career, I did a few conventions grip and grins and things like that. And because I love to learn as well, I enjoyed sitting in on, especially when it was a talk and not just an award ceremony. It was fun to learn about a whole new world. I did one that was doctors learning about MRIs before it came out. And so in the hallway on a break, I asked one of the doctors, what the heck is an MRI? And he explained it to me. And, you know, now, like for me, I had some need for an MRI. And when I was in the machine, I was like, huh, I heard about this a long time ago. And and it yeah. maybe even saved my life because when you can see one slice at a time, what's inside you, it's really much better than x-rays and CAT scans and such. So, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, how fun. Yeah. So how did you start getting work? After I cried a lot and stared at the wall and wondered why I quit my job without a plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, After that or during it, all of the above. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it still happens from time to time. The way that I started to get traction in the with getting clients uh, was twofold. Number one, it was becoming far more intentional and purposeful with the way that I communicated with my intended audience online through my content. And the second way was to really understand what it means to build relationships within that community. So what I would do is uh, research different photographers, not photographers, different speakers, different organizations, and I would engage their content online and leave thorough comments, not, this is a great article, thanks so much, you know, adding something to that, you know, particular response. Mm -hmm. And um, that started to get me some attention. Then what ended up happening is I did that once on a podcast that I had been on and I had said something about the guest. The guest reached out to me and that person was a chapter, local chapter president of a speaker's organization, a national speaker's Mm -hmm. organization. 
And that became a barter system of I'll be a sponsor for the chapter in exchange for meeting everybody there and um, kind of engaging the community on a deeper level. Now, at first, it didn't really lead to much of anything at all because they still didn't really know who I was. Mm -hmm. But over over the course of a year, 18 months, that started to change. And then during the pandemic, when all of the speakers went to virtual meetings on Zoom or other, you know, teleconferencing platforms, I came up with a business model to photograph those meetings, those keynotes, those everything virtually on my laptop in my apartment. <clears throat> and that created a ripple effect nationally, not just for the New York folks, but for everyone within the organization started to really see what I did. And that kind of helped create more visibility for me, brought more people in, more eyeballs. And over the course of the couple of years since the pandemic, it um, has created a level of sustainability that it still fluctuates, but instead of it going like this, yeah, <laughs> it's now more like it's now more like this. That's awesome. So it's yeah. So that's how that happened. Okay, so let me see if I can say back what I think I heard. So first of all, you got really clear on your intention uh, yeah. and how to communicate that. Is that when you said intention through communication, like you got yeah clear. This is what I do, and you learned how to how to express that in different ways, yeah. Through storytelling, yes. Storytelling, okay. And then you built relationships, which yes. to me so key. You know, when I did weddings, I didn't realize I was a really good networker. <laughs> it's just my nature, and I would. Any wedding I did, I'd want to know all the vendors. And if I liked them, I would call them up. I would send them prints, not digital files, that they could show their clients. I referred right. them over right. and over again at bridal shows. I, um, When I had a chat with somebody, whether or not they were available, I would say, hey, are you looking for a cake baker? Well, my friend at flower power is over in booth so-and-so tell her i said hi you know you need a dj that guy's awesome and so i built these friendships that i realized oh being intentional about this i can up my game even more and um what i've what i've done with some of my coaching clients is have them build what we are calling a circle of friends where you build your your little group of people and then meet once a week or so for coffee in the morning or every other week. And, you know, it's not a formal networking group, but um, right. so let's see. So that was the number two building relationships. And sounds like there's all kinds of ways in your specialty to build them. Um, you also are saying it's not a one and done, you know, boom, do this and two weeks later you'll be super busy right no i wish <laughs> yeah yeah but if it was that easy it'd be that easy for everybody else too so then it'd be hard <laughs> right you know there's some people that will be like my website has been live for two months and i haven't gotten any work sounds like <laughs> you, you, you need to get yeah. out there right yeah 
And then the fourth one during COVID, you came up with an idea to help promote people when you couldn't have them come over to the studio and things like that. Yeah. Well, not studio. I don't shoot in a studio. Or or go location or Yeah, yeah. For their for their events. Since their events were gone, they were all on a screen. I photographed the screen, basically. <laughs> That's brilliant. So you didn't have to pull out all those lenses that are behind you and no. And no. That. That's a that's great. Actually, the only lens that I use for virtual photography these days is a 60 millimeter macro, and that's it. That's it. So you photograph on your camera? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You shoot. Yep. I have uh, some lights in the house and I swing them around. I put the laptop on a folding table or on a uh, another surface in the different rooms. The only room I have not photographed my laptop in is my bathroom. Not yet. Every <laughs> other like, room I have, though. Yeah. So yeah. I'm having a hard time picturing it because when you said uh, photographing the uh, the live events that were on the computer, mm-hmm. right? So for right now, it, yeah, think of it this way. So right now, you and I are having a conversation, right? Let's mm-hmm. pretend that I can duplicate me, right? And I'm over here or I'm over there. And what I'm doing is shooting the actual screen of the two shot of us talking back and forth from a myriad angles, you know, high, oh, low, okay. different backgrounds. Yeah. Got yeah. It. Focusing. Yeah. Doing that kind of thing. Okay. So, so you're, you're filming the screen, but it's not just like here we are in two dimensions. You're adding an interest and a dimensionality the environment. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, um, yeah. one of my mentors, March, 30th we were supposed to have a live conference and of course that didn't happen in 2020 and she set up a wall where she could she had three big screens so she could see the all the people you know all the Mm -hmm. and then she had a camera so I'm thinking it's similar where it would sometimes photograph her talking to the screen and I got some great shots of her doing that because of course she had great light from her three big screens. So I kind of get a picture of it. How did you get so smart? (laughs) How did you figure this out? How did I figure it out? Well, it, it came from a place of, um, wanting to feel useful Mm -hmm. and, uh, distracting myself from getting over. I I got COVID at the beginning and Mm. it smacked me pretty hard. And, um, I just was in a really bad mental place and I, I attended one of the chapter meetings, uh, the first one that they had this speakers organization I mentioned earlier and they were having their monthly meeting on Zoom. So I'm sitting here in this chair looking at this screen. I'm like, I, I gotta do something. Mm. So I just grabbed for my camera that's sitting, uh, over there. And I just started shooting the screen right here on this desk. And um, the initial photos, uh, I look at the back of the camera. I'm like, this this can't come out good. This is good. Got to look stupid. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, it's actually not that bad. It's actually not that bad. I'm like, all right. Okay. And then I, and, and then I just shared them online, tagged the people that were in the photos. And that's what started mm-hmm. the conversation. And so now those people who 
you did this as a service for you there's a buzz around you there's people saying what else can you do john and now that we're back in the world you've got this bigger network than you had before i love it exactly yeah what's that expression something is the mother of invention necessity yes is the mother of invention it should be desperation at that point. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but whatever, it's the same thought. Yeah. Yeah. It is. So it's not like you went to a workshop that said, what to do when the world shuts down? <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, <laughs> that didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. But now it does. <laughs> yeah, right. A lot of people are teaching how to do remote conferences. A lot of people are no longer doing live because they don't need to. No, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's see. Um, one of your superpowers is creating consistent results through strategies with each client. So can you tell me, John, what do you mean by that? What are those strategies that create consistent results? So tell me a little more about all that. Sure. I mean, that, that's the meat and potatoes of my sessions in the sense of, well, actually, it's not just the lifestyle portrait sessions. It's any time that a client hires me to photograph them, whether they're on a stage, I'm photographing their book, I'm shooting them in a training, or I'm going to shoot their lifestyle portraits, there is a strategy call beforehand. And the idea of those strategy calls is to have a firmer understanding of who the person is and the types of problems that they solve for their clients and how they solve those problems through their services and products. And what I'm trying to glean from this strategy call is the wrinkles and nuances, not only in their business model, not only in the way that they serve their people, but also their personality, their disposition. I'm trying to build a rapport with them during that conversation so that when that person's in front of the camera, especially during a portrait session, when it's a one-on-one -on -one scenario, there is a level of trust that's already been established because we took the time out beforehand to speak on the phone for an hour, 90 minutes. I, I have like a list of dozens of questions that I ask. I, I don't ask every single one of them for every single person, but I have them in reserves and I cherry pick the ones as I need them mm -hmm. to be able to find out these specifics so that by the end of the call, I've not only learned a lot about them, built that connection, that rapport, that trust, but what we also have is a very rock solid game plan because as they're answering the questions and I'm jotting it down, I'm copying and pasting certain things, or I'm translating what they're saying in the answer to line items on a shot sheet, promotional images and lifestyle images, so that we're able to have a very, very solid plan going into the session. Because one of the things for years, for most of the time that I photographed people, it was, yeah, we'll show up here bring this amount of outfits and we'll kind of figure out the rest as we go. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is if you want to be a go-to photographer, that is an authority figure within the community that you serve, you need to ensure consistent results. And the only way that you can ensure consistent results is by having a consistent 
strategy approach beforehand so that you can figure out all of the important stuff before the camera comes out of the bag, before the client shows up, and before we need to start figuring things out. It just makes the session more efficient and more purposeful and intentional. And plus, when you also understand how they plan to use the photos, that also helps dictate the stuff that's priority versus the other stuff that would be nice to have. Right. That makes total sense rather than just showing up and winging it. And then they're like, well, my book cover is earth tones, but but I wore a flowered pink and red dress because there was no conversation. And so it's right. not going to go or, you know, I'm a fun person and you photograph them all serious because you're just winging it, you know, that I'm sure the photos would be great in those cases, but especially since you're working with business people, these are images that are going to be communicating to their audiences, people that hire them, people that read their books, people that, you know, go to their conferences, all of that, that like we say, one photo can, (laughs) my brain this morning a picture can say a thousand words or i've heard something like that (laughs) yeah i i hear that too i i'm of the opinion though when i hear a picture is worth a thousand words i I always want to add the caveat but you need to be able to place the context in front of it first to actually figure out what those words are Uh uh-huh when you're having that strategy session you're able to visually tell the story and provide the images that they can use to promote themselves in a great way to their ideal clients. Yeah, I had a conversation with a good friend of mine, Stacy Green. I can't remember her new last name. She was early in my podcast and we were having dinner at a photography function and she said, hey, I'm doing something new. I'm doing branding sessions. And this was probably five years ago, which when did you start your shift about that? About that, about that time. Yeah. Yeah. And she was sharing, she worked with entrepreneurs just like you and charging a lot more than I ever thought an executive portrait session could command from the start. And that really opened my eyes to that possibility and how fun it was that she would like we discussed that she would get to go to these conferences and learn while she was working. And so, yeah, it's in the last five years, I think it's become an even stronger, maybe it's longer than five years. Time goes so fast, Yes, it does. but yeah, it's a, it's a great niche. So now are the, the results, the strategies for the client or the the strategy it's about the strategy call it's about it. the conversation with the actual client yeah got it so mm-hmm. a lot of us that do portrait photography do strategy calls as well so that we can first of all it makes us look more like an expert when you take the time and you share and when someone's like oh we love tuscany to say well, maybe we'd want to do this portrait session at this hotel or Balboa Park. Looks very European here in San Diego. Um, and 
you know, design the portrait session around the people. So I love what you're saying that 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 strategy session can work in a commercial field as well. That that personal attention, building relationships, Mm -hmm. listening to them, telling their story is powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And commands more money, right? Yeah. (laughs) Then like doing a classic headshot, you know, that's similar to everybody else's. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of what we do can be perceived by some as transactional. My goal is to work more with folks that um, are looking more for the relationship stuff. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing that kind of work, the transactional stuff, you're paid commensurate of the work itself, right? So for right. the headshots, I, I didn't give myself enough of time to figure out how to be that relationship builder within that context. So, mm-hmm. but what I, what I found was that I didn't have a choice if I were going down this, you know, lifestyle portrait photography route and trying to work within one specific type of community. So I had to go to relationship route. And yes, you know, when you do build that reputation, when you do have these people speaking on your behalf, when you do back up the stuff that you talk about by showing people the work that illustrates how you got past, uh, how you help that client get past certain challenges to be able to position themselves in the way they want, then yeah, you know, you earn the permission to be able to charge that much because ultimately the market decides right Mm -hmm. so it's really on you though to put as much social proof as much uh, case studies testimonials and illustrating your own expertise within this world and and that's what helps create uh, a bigger bottom line Mm -hmm. and i imagine referrals start coming your way is people out of the blue saying you worked for this person, that person, and they said you were awesome. That's basic. Yeah, that's basically 98.7% of my work right now. I'm not doing any outbound right now at all. Mm -hmm. I'm working on other stuff in the background for the future. And while that's happening, that takes up my time. Mm -hmm. And uh, in terms of the business that I'm in, I just accept the inbounds that come in and uh, so far so good on that. (laughs) That's like everyone's dream to, unless people love marketing, to get things rolling so much that the work comes to you so that you can focus on what you love and what, you know, photography and having fun and whatever else (laughs) uh, we want to do with our time. Yeah. Well, one thing about that, Lucy, the, 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 the piece to that is I, I may not be reaching out to people and I may not be playing the engagement game and trying to get attention from other folks. What I am doing is still very consistent with my online content. Mm. I'm writing 13 blogs a month. Ah. I have social every five days a week. And I've been doing that since 2017. So. Mm. The point is to still stay relevant, top of mind, share things, tag people that are in the photos, engage, ask questions, all of those different things to keep myself out there. And um, that that helps immensely as well. So your marketing 
but you're not putting bait on a hook and fishing to reel somebody in specifically. You're you're out there to be discovered. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. At at this stage of the game, yes. Three years ago, no. I was doing everything I could (laughs) to try to get some people through the door. And now, you know, you know, you, you know what your overhead is every month. You know what your target goal is that you want for the year. You see what's coming in and it's, if it's close enough, it's like, all right, well, you know, I guess we're, we're okay. We're okay. Um, and the, the, the one thing about raising your rates and charging premium rates is the fact that if you shoot twice a month, you're still, you're, you're still profitable. You mm-hmm. know, that that's the really cool part about it. I mean, there is that other side of, I'm not shooting enough. I'm going to start getting weird. I'm going to get in my head. I miss photographing things. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should do more. And, you know, so you still have to wrestle with those kinds of thoughts, but ultimately end of the day, bottom line, paying my bills, all of that stuff mm-hmm. taken care. And that's really what's paramount, you know, for now. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I I love how you just explained that that awkward feeling when we're not photographing much that isn't about I'm not making money or I don't have enough in the bank, but just that that rhythm that um, we get into. Because for me, the photography is that creativity and that being out there and like using my my visual senses and even the physicality of it, the relationship of it. I actually, as someone that's now coaching more than photographing, uh, there is more of a sameness, whereas the variety and anyway, all the things I just shared that for me, it sounds like you too, that there's just something really energizing and gratifying about the work itself which of well, course that's how it should be right i mean i didn't i didn't get in this to be a business owner i got right. in this i i got in this to be able to figure out how the hell can i get paid to do something that i do for free right and right. and and that is a constant work in progress to figure out what that looks like today because it looks sure. very different from 2014 you yeah. know but yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm doing this for the pictures and Mm -hmm. even 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 as I maybe slow down on taking the pictures and educate, you know, go more in that route. It's still about the pictures because now you're invested in the people in which you're 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 working with that, you you know, you want to be the proud parents sitting there and say, wow, look at that. That is amazing. You know, they're they're helping people out with the work that they've created. It's it's magical. Yeah. I totally relate. I I discovered as I became intentional about coaching um, maybe eight years ago, nine years ago, when someone achieves something or has a big aha or like a mindset breakthrough or gets paid a big chunk of change, it feels like it's happening to me. So, it, you know, I don't have to do all the work, but I get to get to have that like you said, proud parent moment that is super gratifying the same way delivering, you know, 10 wall portraits and getting paid five figures and great hugs. 
is very gratifying too. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what I love about this career is we can keep reinventing ourselves and doing that thing that at this time in our life brings us joy and challenges and satisfaction. Do you find that's true in your life? Yeah. I mean, I, um, you know, despite, you know, when you're looking to evolve, regardless of what business you're in, there's always going to be that sense of overwhelm and challenge. And I don't know where I'm going to take this thing. And there is, um, you know, you got to get past all of those self-defeating feelings. But at the same time, we're talking about something that I never thought was possible in the first place. Mm. You know, I, I never envisioned myself doing i thought i was going to be a television producer for the rest of my life working on shows that i couldn't stand to watch myself (laughs) so as far as i'm concerned you know i'm doing pretty good because i at least you know had the courage and a bit of the craziness to jump out a window without a plan and kind of figure it out as i went and what i've now realized you know eight years, nine years after starting this whole thing, um, you're always in figure it out mode if you want to mm. continue to evolve. So you just have to, you have to allow yourself the permission to be human when you have your overwhelmed moments, when you're stuck, when you're not sure. And then you then have to have that resiliency to be able to get back up on the horse and get back at it and, and continue to work at it. Because if it, if it means that much to you and you believe that you can do something with it, then you need to follow that passion and go for it. Right. So do you think we're born with that resiliency or is it something that can be cultivated? Um, I wasn't. I grew up in a house where I was told I have a job and health insurance and don't be stupid and quit and do anything like that. So no, you're not born with it. You're not nurtured. And some people's homes are obviously different, but mine was very, you know, old school, like play it safe kind Mm -hmm. of thing. I learned that based on a lot of self-development work and being Mm. around these people and listening to what they're talking about and Mm. internalizing these insights and realizing, you know what, there's more to this game of life, you know, forget about photos, just life in general, you know, and the ability to be able to, you know, take the blow, absorb it, and then get back up is extremely difficult. But at the same time, it's worth it because on the other side of that, you know, you're a better person for it. And I think, you know, the juice is worth the squeeze in most cases when it comes to those things. I like that. The juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah, I like that one too. I stole, I forgot where I stole it from, but I use it all the time. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. So I love what you just said, and it goes along with something that I say frequently on this show. What I love about being an entrepreneur and now also supporting entrepreneurs is that it grows us as a person. It's a masterclass on personal growth, spiritual growth. And like one of the challenges in my upbringing is there's a a lot of fear was kind of just in the air in my family. I don't know why. Maybe uh, parents having been young in the depression, there was a lot of fear. But in 
like no job security. I'm going to be self-employed. Right. I had to encounter and dance with the fear and learn how to calm myself and learn how to use it to motivate me to, you know, get out there and get work and use my brain. Like I'm really impressed with how you used your, just your own, you know, I'm sure it wasn't in a vacuum, but what I'm hearing is that you've had a lot of great ideas and they work. Um, anyway, just went down a bunny trail, but <laughs> I became so much less fear centered and so much more courageous because of day to day having to conquer what could paralyze me or motivate me. And right. then as I grew in my business, then my personal life, my inner satisfaction, you know, my more of who I'm meant to be continues to unfold and it just goes hand in hand. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, 100%. Because when your business life sucks, your personal life is not going to necessarily be great because it's not like we live uh, the different areas of our lives are in silos. You know, we're human beings. Everything bleeds over into the other and it all affects different things. So right. at the end of the day, you know, uh, it is important to find time for those other things, but it's just important to be able to nip it in the bud, basically. Whatever is troubling you on whatever side of your life is problematic at that moment, because if if you don't address it, it will affect everything else. Right. And uh, it's not good. No. And on the positive side, when we do address it, then we become more emotionally healthy, more courageous, more effective in all aspects. Um, I'm thinking about one of the most common areas that I see people grow from being in this uh, profession is learning to set boundaries. Well, probably in all aspects, but like children, families, um, it's so easy to want to always accommodate and, you know, not set those like, this is my price. This is how I sell. No, I don't sell digitals, digitals <laughs> or whatever it is. And I see it really scary for people just basically to say no. And then as they learn to say it in their business, because if you say yes to everything, that's not good for your business, right? So then yeah. when you learn those boundaries, then in the personal life with your mother or <laughs> whoever it is, your neighbor, you you learn to put your needs as a solid first priority, which actually is a gift for everyone else. Does that make sense? Did I say that? No, it makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it all goes together. So I love it. I love this conversation. And um, yeah, <laughs> my brain today is uh, sometimes, so I've noticed with coaching and with podcasting, how like I can actually feel a thought in my brain and the effort to get it out through my mouth. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, they, they have a little party before we can get that out there. So, yeah. It's a, might, need, might need some more caffeine. I don't know. Yeah. Gotta get you, gotta get you going. Yes. Or in some cases I need less. Uh, or I'm just, right. uh, okay. But again, not about me. Okay. So 
Is there more? One of your topics that I was intrigued with or your superpowers is thinking more like a marketer than a photographer. Have mm-hmm. we sort of talked about that or do you have more you can share with us about thinking like a marketeer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think one of the major aspects to building a business towards service-based business owners, a photography business, specifically lifestyle photography, or as I call it, branded lifestyle portraits or personal branding, whatever flavor people want to call it, it's all the same stuff. But one of the, the key aspects to being able to build that is to think about the different areas in which these people need to share this stuff. And when you're shooting, always have that in mind, but not just that it goes up. There's one level above that. We mentioned that stuff before. And that level is these photos are not just vanity driven images that are, you know, meant to just kind of be pretty looking, right? Mm -hmm. There needs to be substance in these images. And, right. and by substance, I don't just mean, you know, make sure you get shots that are justified left versus justified right versus this or versus that. And we're going to cut it. So make sure you move back, you know, all of those kinds of things. That is part of it. But the other part is to understand that these photos are about them and they're not about you. Meaning mm. you can't just simply focus on creating beautiful work without any context or nuance to it. You know, you need to, you know, all the stuff we talked about before with the strategy call and the personality and the tentacles of the business and all of that. The other piece is to be able to, you know, put the client first in all of the major decisions before you hit the shutter button. And that's really what I mean by not just thinking like a photographer. You need to think uh, on the marketing end. It, you're a tr- instead of just thinking about yourself as a button pusher, you're a collaborator, a trusted collaborator in mm. their success with these images based on how they're going to be leveraged throughout their marketing and promotional uh, campaigns. Okay. So when I first heard Think Like a Marketer, I was thinking that it was about our marketing ourselves but i what what i love that i hear you saying is when you're doing the work you're serving as a marketer for them am i yes catching that right it's not about marketing your business it's about marketing their business that that we're kind of yes so kind of filling in a little of the pr agent hat in a way of how they are going to promote themselves and making sure that the images you create are going to serve in a way that's very powerful and gets their business to to grow into what their dreams are. Yeah. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yes. <laughs> Good. That's a really different twist. Years ago, I used to think being a portrait photographer was a lesser career than like magazines or other commercial aspects. And then in a conversation with someone who became a commercial photographer and felt like her best work was just in landfills, I was like, you know, I'm glad my work is uh, in home galleries all across the city and other states. But when I hear what you're saying, I realize 
this kind of work also can serve my own values being a branding expert because it's helping people have a better life. It's helping people promote their businesses, which is also helping other people. So uh, it's such a different twist on, for me, the thought of commercial photography and um, portrait photography is a very valid profession and not less than because we're not photographing models and, you know, National Geographic, but commercial photography is also a service to the planet is the yeah. moral of what I just said. <laughs> I'm talking yeah. to myself. I'm thinking out loud. Yeah, so far I agree with it. So it works. Good. <laughs> all right. Well, the clock on the wall says that's all just about. So a um, couple of questions for you, my last two. Number one, how do people get in touch with you if they want to know more? I know you're um, starting to open up to this space of supporting others and helping them on their on their path. So how can we reach out to you and learn more about you? Well, the easiest place would be to go to my website, johndomato.com. And uh, it's johndomato.com forward slash deliver dash magic and you can Ooh. learn more about what that training looks like uh if you want to see what my work looks like you're on my website so you can check that out as well yeah. i'm also on the socials everywhere so you know under damato photo for the most part just scoop around on instagram and twitter and all those fun places i'm there reach out if you have any questions love it and so i'm opening up the space for you to share anything else in your heart and in your mind that you would wish you had had the moment if I'd asked the right question. So what do you got? What's your last word here? I think being a professional photographer, whatever flavor it is, you know, editorial, fashion, portraits, street, whatever. If you're making a living doing that professionally, it is a gift. It is a privilege and it is something that needs to be earned. And as a result, if you're really serious about wanting to pursue this world, you need to put the work in. And more importantly, you need to believe in yourself to the point that when things don't go well for an extended period of time, you're not going to pack up your tent and leave. You're going to stay there and figure it out because it's worth it to you and it's worth it to the people that you serve. And it's mm -hmm. worth it to the people that appreciate the work that you two did together. So long story short, you know, don't ever lose your belief in this if it means that much to you, because it's worth it to keep on fighting until you figure out a way to create sustainability. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So thank you, John. This has been a delight. And I wish we lived in the same city so we could hang out and talk talk more, but maybe someday we'll get to meet up at a conference or you come visit San Diego and we'll talk. <laughs> I like that. Yes, that would be fun. We'll talk. So <laughs> as I say goodbye to John privately, I want you to hang on listeners because I'll have my wrap up. So stay tuned. And um, so let's say adieu to John for now. Bye-bye, Lucy. Thank you for having me.
So, dear ones, that was great, wasn't it? I loved the different kinds of conversations or topics that we had from um, other episodes, but they're all different. So that's cool. I love to meet new people. So remember to subscribe to my YouTube and my podcast, the Profitable Photographer podcast on whatever is your favorite platform, Apple, my website, Spotify, or any others. And uh, let me see if I can do a quick wrap up. So he had a successful career. He didn't enjoy being a TV producer. And then things changed and he was doing headshots as a little weekend thing and decided uh, to do something new. And um, I asked him how he built his business photographing experts for their branding. And he said, number one, he is intentional through communication. He builds relationships. It didn't happen overnight. It took work. And then he did this amazing thing during COVID where he started filming the talks that were online and he did it in a way that wasn't just hitting record on a Zoom, but um, made it interesting as a filmmaker. So I love his innovative mind. And then one of the things that he's big on and I'm big on is personalizing, having strategy sessions with his clients. So he's not just, here's my package. I'm going to do this, this, and this. But he gets to know his clients, executives, teachers, speakers, writers, and helps them have the branding package, the photographs, and whatever else he might do um, that will serve their business growth. And he said, we want to, in the branding world, we want to think like a marketer. What would market the client to his or her ideal clients? And then he reminded us that making a living in photography is a gift. He said, we need to believe in ourselves. We need to work hard and earn the success. And I imagine you really enjoyed meeting him as well as I did, or as much as I did. And I look forward to listening to this again, so I can not be thinking like an interviewer, but just be absorbing all the goodness that uh, he shared with us. So stay tuned for uh, what's up next. Keep your eyes open for other amazing guests. And until next time. Bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.